Our theme this year has been <clears throat> overflow, and each month we have talked about how various characteristics that God has called us to be should be evident in our lives and flowing from us. You have Jesus saying that it would be uh, out of our hearts will flow rivers of of living waters. And we've asked the question then every month, what flows out of us? What do people see in us? What would they say is the overflow of our heart? And we come to this time of year and we turn our attention to Thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite weeks of the year, <laughs> as it may be for, for you as well. And one of the pictures that God gives us is that we are supposed to be overflowing with thankfulness, that we are supposed to be a people of thanksgiving. And I think that's particularly interesting for a year like we've had in this year. You know, we'd say, well, maybe 2020, we aren't the most thankful that we could be because it's been quite a doozy that we've had to uh, go through together in, in this year. But I want to remind us before we get into the lesson itself, uh, the, the simple words of the Apostle Paul when he told us to rejoice always, pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances. Oh, oh man, Paul. <laughs> All circumstances, okay. Uh, in every circumstance, we are supposed to be a thankful people. And so what I want to talk about this morning is even in a year like this, and even with all of the challenges and all of the difficulties that we have faced, how we can be a thankful people and to see that we really do still have every reason to give thanks to God. Uh, you can open your Bibles as was read for us in Luke 17. Luke 17 is our text. Luke 17 presents a really interesting scene with Jesus. And what happens with Jesus is, I think, extremely surprising. Uh, a lot of the things that happen, as was just read for us in that scene, are surprising in their outcome and surprising events and surprising sayings. You you have in Luke 17, and it begins there in verse 11, that, that Jesus is simply traveling and he is to going to Jerusalem and he's passing in between Samaria and Galilee. So you can imagine him coming south on his way to Jerusalem. And as he enters into a town, you have this interesting thing where there are these ten men who have leprosy. And verse 12 tells us that they are remaining at a distance and they are shouting to Jesus. They are yelling at him. And they are screaming out at him, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now to understand this scene a little bit, we need to know a little bit about what the law of Moses said. Uh, the law of Moses said to anyone who had any kind of skin disease, and including leprosy, that there were requirements that need to have happened, that the person who had the disease would wear these torn clothes and let the hair of their hair, head hang loose. You can imagine it's kind of looking disheveled. And, and they would then cover their upper lid. And they would cry out, unclean, unclean. 
And the reason why, as Leviticus 13 says, is that as they remain unclean, remain unclean as long as they have the disease, he is unclean, he will live alone, his dwelling is to be outside the camp. Everybody was supposed to stand back. Everybody was supposed to stay away from them. They weren't admitted into the community of Israel. They had to live outside the camp. And any time they were around other people, they would have to cry out and visibly show that they were unclean people. You'd say it everywhere you go, unclean, unclean. And then you'd have the look on your face with your disheveled hair. And you'd be covering your, your face and cry, crying that out. Really interesting picture. Especially because I think we can kind of touch a little bit of that in our society right now where we have had to do these kinds of things where the covering of the face and staying back and don't be around everybody and be sure that you don't don't get too close. And especially if somebody were to be infected, we would never be like, hey, come over to our house. No, no, you're going to stay far away. I'm not coming to your house. You're not coming to my house. We're not going to be anywhere near each other. You were supposed to isolate. And that's what they're doing. This is what God's law said to those who were sick. They were to isolate. Stay away from the community. But imagine not isolating for 14 days, but isolating for the whole of your life until the disease went away, if it ever even did. That's the condition of these people. And by the way, they couldn't text their friends. You know, shoot them an email, check in on Facebook and see how everybody's doing. When you were isolated, you are isolated. You were outside the community. You weren't going into people's homes and you weren't enjoying family and friends and relationship and going shopping and enjoying all those things. You were an outcast. So imagine for these people the severity of the isolation that they are going through when they are keeping the law of Moses as Jesus enters the town and says they're keeping their distance but they're crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Which already shows something particularly interesting that uh, these ten, they didn't just see Jesus as just some teacher. You know, some rabbi who's teaching us good ideas and good morals according to God's law. They see something in him that they believe that Jesus can heal them. You know, they're just not like, hey, we'd like to hear a sermon too. Can you talk really loud so we can hear you? No. Heal us. Have mercy on us. Jesus, Lord, Master, the one in charge, help us. You just imagine hearing them crying that out again and again as Jesus begins to enter into this town, these ten people crying it out. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. But what Jesus then does next is startling, to say the least. Notice that it says that he does in verse 14, when he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priests. (laughs) What? Okay. Now, a little bit of background with that. The reason why you would go and show yourselves to the priests under the law of Moses was you were already cleansed of your skin disease 
And the reason you went to the priest was to have that verified so that you could enter back into the community. You would no longer be in isolation. You would no longer be the outcast. So once the the healing happened and your skin disease was, was gone, then you would go find the priest and he would inspect you and make sure according to the According to Leviticus, according to the law of Moses, it was all clear. The thing that's so strange about the command is they have the leprosy. And Jesus is saying, go show yourself to the priest. Uh, In parallel, it would be like if you were sick with COVID and you were like, well, I'm going to go get the, I'm going to take a test to show that I'm well. You're like, you're not well, you're sick. You wait till you're well to go get your you know, your two tests before your employer will let you back on the premises kind of thing. You don't do it while you're sick. You do it when you're well. And here's Jesus acting as if they're well. Hey, go show yourselves to the priests. Like, go show ourselves to the priests. But as amazing as that command is, notice verse 14, they all get up and go. Uh, that is amazing. There's faith right there. They don't stand there and go, wait a minute. You know, you've you've got to do something first. Heal us, then we'll go to the priest. They get up and go. In verse 14, staggering words. And as they went, they were healed. Great faith. Ten of them listen to Jesus' words. Don't seem to doubt it for a moment. Don't question it a moment. And as they are going, wherever that priest was, we don't know how far that was. I don't know if that, where was one in that town, if there was one in the next town, where they had to go. We don't know if they've been traveling for five minutes or five hours, how long they've gone. But as they go, they're healed. And you would want the account to end there. And they all lived happily ever after and look at the story of Jesus and look how powerful he is that he can even cleanse leprosy and he can cleanse these skin diseases and look at the faith of these men. And yet that's not the point of the account at all. The point of the account is what happens next. Notice in verse 15, one of them Seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell down at his feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. Notice this one man, you can imagine the 10 of them going on their way. And as they go, they're healed. And one of them looks at his condition and he stops walking with the other nine. And he turns around. And he goes to find Jesus. And as he's going to him, it says he is giving glory to God with a loud voice. You just imagine as he sees it, he just turns the other direction and is praising God with a loud voice as he goes. And once he finally gets back into the presence of Jesus, we are told he falls down at his feet and is just thanking him. Thank you, Jesus, for healing me. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for freeing me from this horrible disease. Thank you for taking me from being isolated to returning me back to the community of Israel. Thank you for making me no longer the outcast, but allowing me to be part of the group again. Thank you for having mercy on me. 
But that's not the end of the story. It all hinges on what Jesus says next. Verse 17. Were there not ten cleansed? What an interesting way this account goes. Ten are healed, ten show faith, ten are on their way. And as the ten are cleansed, one notes it, praises God, returns to Jesus, falls down at Jesus' feet, thanking him profusely. And the words that are recorded that first come out of Jesus are simply, weren't there ten of you? Where's the nine? I thought there were 10 of you. Look at verse 18. Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? Didn't I heal 10? Where's the other nine? Didn't anybody else come back to glorify God? Didn't anybody else want to come back and praise God for what has happened? Let's take a step back here for a minute because I want us to think about this scene. I want to kind of spin around to the other side of the, uh, of the, the microscope here and think about this for a minute. Do you suppose that if you could have gone and interviewed the other nine who were healed but didn't come back to Jesus... And ask them if they were grateful that they would say yes. Sure. Are you thankful to God that you've been healed? Absolutely. Has an amazing thing happened in your life? Most assuredly. Are you pleased and blessed and happy now that you have had this healing in your life and you are cleansed and that you are able to go to the priest and you're going to now be able to return to society and live a normal life? Are you thankful and joyful for that? I believe all ten of them would have said yes. I don't think any of them would have said, you know what, I'm really unhappy with what just happened. That's what they were asking for. They got exactly what they were looking for. They were looking for healing. They were looking for cleansing. And Jesus did it. They obviously are pleased with it because they're going to the priest. They're doing exactly what Jesus said. But Jesus is putting his finger on something because he makes the point here in verse 17 by asking, where is the other nine? We're not ten cleansed. Where is everybody else to come back and praise God for what has happened? I think this tells us something extraordinary and dramatic. So often what we do when it comes to our thankfulness is we keep our thankfulness inside. And if you were to ask us, are you thankful? We'd say, sure, absolutely. Full of thanksgiving. So glad to God. So thankful for what he's done. Absolutely, I am thankful. But Jesus is putting his finger on something and saying, thankful hearts. 
without expressing it is not thankfulness at all. Why is he talking about the other nine? They all had faith. They all went to the priest. And Jesus is hung on the fact that only one came back to praise God. Only one came back to say something. If you could interview all ten, all ten are certainly thankful. But only one says it. That's the difference of the others. That is the only functional difference between him and the other nine. Is one has to come back to Jesus and say it, that feeling it and thinking it was not enough. Which, by the way, we know this truth. We understand that not expressing thanksgiving ultimately shows ingratitude. You do something and they don't say a word. And in their heart, they are so thankful for what you've done. But what do you think? You think they don't care. You think it was for nothing. You think it was a waste of time. You think all those ungrateful people, here I did all of this for them and they didn't even say a word. We understand that truth. It is an important truth that just because you think you're thankful is not thanksgiving. Expression is. It has to be expressed. It has to be said. And that is exactly what Jesus is saying right here. In fact, This is such an important moment that notice what Jesus says after asking these questions. Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? Notice now what he says to this one person who expressed thanks and praise to God. Verse 19, he told him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Now, a lot of translations will say your faith has made you well. And you might even have a a note in your references that say Greek says that it means saved. But okay. Your faith has made you well, but we're not talking about made you well in terms of the skin disease. Because all ten were healed. This one person experiences something more, doesn't he? This one person who is willing to return to Jesus and praise God and offer his thanks is experiencing something far greater, far more important. Your faith has saved you. Another level has been attained because of the thankfulness of this individual, because he has expressed his praise to God, because he is crying out in the loud voice what God has done and is on his face worshiping Jesus, thanking him for what he has done. A whole nother level has been experienced. And I think that is so important for us to see. Is he says, for you, 
your faith. There is a whole greater faith that is on display, a whole other level that is on display for us to see. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And I want us to take a minute then to just consider the application that we can make that Jesus is drawing here. And he certainly taught about the one and about the ten that we can see for ourselves. It is clear that Jesus is identifying the primary point. Thanksgiving must be expressed. It can't be just merely felt. You can't just think it to yourself and never say it. You can't just think, oh, isn't this great? And not express it. It's not thanksgiving. It comes off as ingratitude. It's an unwillingness to proclaim what someone else has done. And I want to see this on two levels. Number one, we need to tell other people how thankful we are for them. You might just be thinking it and thinking it and thinking it. (laughs) Oh, I just love my parents or my kids or my spouse or my friends or my co-workers or whatever it is. But we need to be people who are not only grateful in heart, but express that thanksgiving to other people. If you think about this in regards to the Apostle Paul, do you realize that nearly every single letter that Paul writes starts like this? I thank my God always for you. Why do you tell him that all the time? Almost every letter starts that way. It's jarring when he doesn't start a letter that way. The book of Galatians is jarring because he doesn't say, I thank my God for you. He says, what happened to you? What has happened that you've been bewitched and all this has happened? Because Paul always would start his letter and say, I give thanks to God for you. And he's not by himself telling God that. He wrote it in a letter so that everybody, like the Corinthian letter, they'd read it before the whole church and they'd all go, here's what Paul says, I thank my God always for you. We need to express it. You see the apostles doing that. You see the apostle Paul doing that. That we need to see the importance of expressing to one another how grateful we are. Thankful for everyone. Thankful for who that person is in terms of that relationship in our lives. And what they mean to us. Why that relationship's important. Because otherwise it really does come off as ingratitude or uncaring. We just seem to take it for granted. Oh, well, they're just always there. They're always this great help, and you never say anything about it. And it's certainly not what God wants us to be. God wants us to be overflowing with thanks, to express those words, and to show our gratitude, to say it because of what they've done. And not only then does our thanksgiving need to be expressed to one another, our thanksgiving needs to be expressed to God. Our thanksgiving must be expressed to God. 
That is a lot of what our songs are ultimately about. It is what our prayers are ultimately about. In fact, I would make the argument that that is the essence of worship, is that it is an expression of our thanksgiving to God. We are putting into words what God has done for us. And I think when we read this scene here in Luke 17, and you think about what has happened, is it not shocking that only one person came back to thank Jesus? I mean, we are stunned by that. It's almost as if Jesus is stunned by that. Where are the other nine? Were not ten healed? How can there not be an expression of thanks? We understand that. It is almost innate within us. You probably had that from your parents. Because as soon as somebody gave you something or did something for you as a kid, your parent would prompt you and say, what do you say? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And that was right. That was right. That is exactly what we should have been doing from the moment that we could say mama and dada is thank you. That is right. We should be saying thanks to God over and over and over again for what he has done for us. And I think what we are seeing in these people And I think something very true when it comes to the heart of thanksgiving is ultimately true appreciation comes when we see our desperation. You really appreciate something when you come from a place of desperation. I think that's what's so stunning about the other nine. We have ten desperate souls here. Ten desperate lives. Ten people who are in permanent isolation, who are not allowed to be part of the community, who are not allowed to engage in normal activity, who are not allowed to be around friends and family. And anytime anybody is around, look disheveled, have a covering over your face and say, I'm clean, I'm clean everywhere you go. Can you imagine doing that for days and weeks and months and years? That desperation should have caused them to explode with appreciation. And yet only one has it. And yet only one person shows it. And I hope that as we read this account, we will see. You and I are the lepers in the story. You and I are the lepers in the account. We are the ones who are cut off from God. We are the ones who are living alone. We are the ones who are destined for death. And Jesus has come and has been merciful to us. He has come and freed us from our sins. And the big question is, now what are you going to do? What will be your next step? Jesus has healed you of your sins. Jesus has cleansed you. And you were on the path of doom and destruction. And you were going to be under God's wrath. And you were going to be separated from Him for eternity. And and Jesus has brought you back and healed you and taken away your sin. There's two choices here. 
can be like the nine and go, well, I'm really thankful in my heart to Jesus for all he's done. Isn't that great? Or be the one who is exploding with praise from the mouth. I want us to think about how easy it is to take for granted what Jesus has done. There is a reason why God has given us so many memorials, so many symbols so that we would never forget and that we would never take for granted what he's done for us. There's a reason why he wants us assembling. There's a reason why he wants the Lord's Supper memorial. There's a reason why he wants prayers. There's a reason why he wants song. Because without those things, we just take him for granted. Those are the things to remind us of who we are where we've come from and how much he has healed us. And I want us to really apply what has happened in this paragraph that we've looked at this morning. Ten people were healed, but only one truly experienced the life-changing salvation of Jesus. Ten were healed, And nine just kind of kept on going like they were going. And one turned back to worship, turned back to praise, turned back to give thanks and expressed it from his lips. That we would consider that it might be a lack of thanksgiving, the lack of expression, not talking about the feeling, the lack of expression that might be holding us back from having the relationship with God that we desire. We aren't telling him. It's just not worship. It's not exploding from our mouth. It's not something that is on the tip of our tongue. We are thankful inside, but it's just not at the forefront of our lives. It's not enough to cause us to turn around and change. It's not enough to make us different people. Oh, yes, we are grateful. Sure, I'm so happy that Jesus did that. But it's not enough to change who we are. It's not enough to make it on our tongues. It's not enough to cause us to tell the world. It's not enough to make us be different people. And I want us just to see that I believe what Jesus is saying here is that thanksgiving is one of the important ways that faith is expressed. You see it there in verse 19. Your faith has saved you. What faith? What faith has been shown? To loudly proclaim praises to God and fall on his face before Jesus, thanking him profusely. That's the faith that's on display. Thanksgiving is another component of our faith. It is how faith is expressed. And we would recognize that with the the other nine, their interest is superficial, isn't it? They're ultimately thankful for the change. They're thankful for the cleansing. They're thankful that they're healed. They're thankful for the stuff, if you will. They got what they wanted out of Jesus. 
but they're unwilling to go back to Jesus. Isn't that the thing that bothers us? Especially if you have kids and you think about birthdays or holidays or things like that. And when it appears to us that their reason for joy is simply because they got what they wanted. Rather than truly being grateful for the relationship. I got my stuff. And you're like, no, no, slow down. Appreciate this. You should appreciate what this means in our relationship. This isn't about toys. This isn't about stuff. Don't just run off and, yay, I got what I wanted. Appreciate what this means for the family. Appreciate what this is communicating as parents to children. We understand that. We, we feel that. We could sense that ingratitude when they're just like, hey. <laughs> You're like, wait, wait, wait. Don't think you understand. You didn't catch it. You just made it about the stuff. I think what Jesus is expressing to us ultimately is something that is very painful for our consideration. But a lack of expressed thanksgiving really does show a lack of salvation. That's the distinction between the nine and the one. Hearts full of thanks respond with worship. And hearts full of thanks respond with changed lives. That's what made this one different. He said it. He turned his life around and went right back to Jesus. Said, I'm not going to keep going to the priest. I got to go see my Lord. I got to go tell him. I got to get on the ground and worship him. And that's where true worship and true faith is derived from. It's from a truly thankful heart that cannot help but express it. It's not about coming together and singing some songs and let's check off the boxes and Lord's Supper check and all of that. It's that we are so grateful to God that there are so many things that we want to say and so many things that we want to express in terms of our thankfulness to God that I want to sing, I want to pray, I want that Lord's Supper, I want the Word of God, I want to worship Him because I'm exploding with thanks. Even in a year like 2020, we have so much to be thankful for. Even in a year like this year, where nothing has gone according to plan, Nothing has gone the way that we wanted. It has been a tough year. It has been a painful year. And even in that, there is always the most important thanks that we can give. That we were destined to death and Jesus has given us life. That we were the outcasts and God has brought us into the family. We were the ones who are unworthy of being anywhere near God's family. And Jesus has said to us, your faith has saved you. And now what will you do? It is yet another day where we can tell God, thank you for eternal life. Thank you for forgiveness of sins. Thank you for giving us another day.
to be able to worship Him, thank Him, and praise Him. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we have so much to be thankful for. Lord, even if we have nothing, we should be thankful to you because of your son and his sacrifice and the healing that you have given to us. Thank you for your great mercy. Thank you for showing your mercy to us in a way that our sins are forgiven. For loving us the way that you do so that we could be part of your family. And Lord, forgive us for how often we have not said it. Forgive us for just thinking it and feeling it. And being unwilling to say to you and say to the world that we are thankful for what you've done. And Lord, we pray that you would keep us from ingratitude, keep us from ungrateful hearts. Give us a courage and a boldness to express our thanks. And Lord, thank you for all the people in our lives. Thank you for our families and various relationships that we have through our family, physical family dynamics. Thank you for this family that we have here in this room and how we can be brothers and sisters together. Thank you for the relationships that we have in the various work, various other relationship situations that we find ourselves in. And God, forgive us for being unthankful, for not expressing our thanks to others as we ought. And Lord, it's our prayer this morning that we would be a people who would overflow with thanks like the Apostle Paul. Help us to have hearts that are no longer prevented and held back from saying it to other people and saying it to you. But let it be quickly on our tongues, Lord. Help us to say it in a way that would express our gratitude for others and ultimately that that expression would be praise to you. Lord, you're the reason why we have these relationships and we thank you for our families. We thank you for these relationships that we have here in the family of God. We thank you so richly how you've blessed us. God, thank you for healing us. And thank you for loving us, even though we can be so ungrateful and we forget to say it and we don't worship you as we should. We pray for forgiveness for that. We pray that in the days ahead, we will be full of thanks in a way that will lead us to worship, praise you, thank you, and glorify you more than we have in the past. In Jesus name. Amen. We have an opportunity now as we sing this song that if you need to come to Jesus, we certainly want you to think about that because that is the most important thing that God has done for you. An important grace has happened to you. You have been healed. You've been cleansed. What will you do now? Will you give Jesus your life? Will you turn away from your sins? Will you follow him with all of your heart? If you haven't been crying out to God yet, and perhaps you haven't been cleansed, you haven't been healed, 
You haven't had your sins washed away. Today is the day to call out to your Lord and Savior. Believe in Him with all of your heart. Repent of your sins. Confess Him as your Lord and Savior. Be immersed in water for the forgiveness of sins to enjoy cleansing and healing. This is what Jesus wants to give you if you'll take advantage of it. If you want that, just let us know afterward while we stand and while we sing.